Hello, everybody. My name is Michael Burks, and welcome to the podcast, Dreams to Currency. Dreams to Currency is a podcast that's going to highlight everyday individuals like you and myself that have taken their passions and monetized them. From here, we're going to hear these individual stories, how they've impacted their communities, and more importantly, how they overcame their failures. I hope this podcast becomes something that you incorporate into your everyday lives and that you will get advice every time you hit play. So please subscribe and share. Dreams to Currency will be available on all platforms. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Wow. Hello, world. We're back again with another episode of Dreams to Currency. I'm happy to highlight this young man here. I watched him grow up. You know, it's crazy what he's doing right now, and I'm happy to share his story. Um, Currently, we have Joshua Hicks, college grad and author. You know, he currently has a book out called A Millennial's Memoir. You should check it out. It's an extremely great book for the young guys out there. He's here to show you again that you can be more than an athlete. Josh, how you doing, brother? Man, you know, you you hey, you know how to give me all the props and glory. Um, it's great to be here though, Mike. I appreciate you having me on as a guest. Uh, absolutely, bro. You know, we go way back, man. So I had to have you on, man. Like I said, I wanted to highlight people like yourself that's out here, you know, taking what they're passionate about and turning it into income for themselves. So, Jay, man, tell me a little about yourself, man. Honestly, I, I just like to tell people from a simple fact, you know, I'm just Joshua Hicks, a man from Dade County with Southern roots. Uh, mm. My parents, you know, had both of them in the household. Uh, both are very educated. So that discipline on me was, you know, like no other. But it made me who the man I am today. And you know, I'm just grateful just to be here. Amazing. Uh, your story, your parents really did a great job, man. I know how impactful your pops it was for me as well you know from coaching and whatnot what'd you study in school and where'd you go to school uh for my undergrad well let's let's take it back uh I went to Color Ridge Middle just got to give them a shout out South Day the one and only uh then I proceeded to go on to get my undergrad degree from Illinois College from a little small town in Jacksonville Illinois not too far from where you started up at SIUE and then I, I just proceeded to go ahead and get my master's degree. I had to go back home to the roots and go to Grambling State University. HBCUs all day. Yeah. What was that I mean, experience like? My fault to interject, bro. But I don't think people really understand like how powerful going to from a, a PWI to an HBCU can be. I know I you know I'm a rattler. You know you exactly, went to Grambling. Exactly. Let's let's talk about that real quick. Like how okay, was that? Well, let me first start off by, you know, just letting you know what I studied first at Illinois College, um, communication and rhetorical studies, uh, one of the premier liberal art colleges, you know, in the nation, but they gave me something where I was able to learn a little bit about myself and just grow as a person, just being from Miami, which is a big city, but going to the middle of nowhere in the Midwest, that just, you know, made me just want to grind a little bit harder but shed light on Grambling State and just the HBCU love and the connection there 
you know, both my parents went there. They met there. I mean, my dad's family, they all went there. So it was a legacy type of thing. I understood the message and, you know, the pride that it meant to go there. So when I decided to go to Grambling State, I, I mastered in uh, sports administration, which a lot of people don't understand. Grambling was the first HBCU to even have that program available on a master's level. So I already knew off the rip that that, that degree right there was going to hold some weight in the sports world. Mm. But, you know, I would tell any African-American, you know, you don't have to graduate from HBCU because it's not for everybody, just like college isn't for everyone. But you should go ahead and get that experience and that appreciation that people look just like you who are trying to become, you know, more successful. It just means something. And when I went to Grambling, I just saw that pride, you know, to have professors who look just like me, who are doctors in this world. Uh, I already held black women to a higher excellence, but when I saw at Grambling, I'm like, man, these black women, they, they go get us. They about to change the world. So that's just something where, you know, fam, Morehouse, Grambling, Southern, it doesn't matter which one you go to. When you say HBCU to another person who also went to another historically best college and university, it's just that love and we just appreciate, you know, what we learned from that. Man, I yeah. love it. I'm telling you right now, I can tell how we talking right now. Um, we both smiling as we said. Yeah. You, you can hear that proud. You say you from an HBCU, man. You, you It carry, it means something. And now, yeah. especially with our VP, uh, vice president, first female, first oh, yeah. black woman, first, you know, interracial, you know, mm -hmm. vice president we've ever had in history. She graduated from a, a HBCU. So I think, you know, we, we, we feeling good right now. <laughs> and to touch on that, and, and can I touch on it just a little bit more, Mike? Yes, sir. Man, you know, uh, even when I saw you do that transition, you was one of the first people that I saw take that transition from a PWI to an HBCU. And for a lot of people who don't know what PWI means, it just means predominantly white institution. But when I saw you do that leap from, you know, going from SIUE to Lynn to FAM, I was like, okay, you know, maybe I should go back because originally when I came out of high school, I was going to go to Grambling, but they were going to turmoil with their football program at that time. And I was like, I'll just go to Illinois college, but I always wanted to double back and go to the HBCU and get that experience. And man, when I tell you, I wouldn't trade it for nothing in the world. I tell people when they ask me what school I went to, I tell them Grambling State before I tell them Illinois college to be real. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. That sounds about right for me as well. That sounds about right, man. Nah, I'm, I'm like I said, Jay, man. I'm proud of you, man. But let's it. segue into um your current, you know, ventures. What you doing now, bro? Um, are you doing what you envision, you know, after college? To be honest, no, but yes. So I see the light. I'll tell anybody. I see the light at the end of the tunnel. But, you know, just with current, current circumstances with, you know, COVID, it threw me for a little bit of a loop, but it all worked out in my favor. Um, you graduate from college, you just assume you're going to get that dream job. And when you talk to any person that's in their 20s who just recently graduated, whether they got a master's, a bachelor's, or even a PhD, a lot of the times we're not even in the field that we went to school for. And that's with me, I was fortunate enough to where I got a degree in communication and rhetorical studies, which was I can go into a multiple amount of fields and 
you know, have a job always there. But right now, you know, I'm currently a teacher <laughs> and I never would have thought I was going to be a teacher. But, hey, it's just a lesson that I need right now. And, you know, God, he just puts you in certain circumstances that you need to grow as a man or a woman. So, but I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. That's amazing. What grade your mommy asked you teaching now? I got middle and high school. So right now I'm at a, uh, I'm at Mays Conservatory of the Arts and that's sixth through 12th. And, you know, I'm just the permanent substitute teacher, which is basically like you the full-time teacher because teachers are always out and you just got to sub for them. But, you know, it's definitely something that keeps me on my toes. Okay. That's amazing. Now that's good. Giving back at the same time as well. You know, mm -hmm. you impacting young lives like how, you know, your dad did for us, man. So yeah. that's good, bro. Um, now, I want to venture into, you know, what I think is amazing, man, because I really don't know too many black men that are doing what you're doing right now. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times, you know, I say that some stories for, well, not some stories, all stories in the media for black men are being told not by our own voices. You as an author, man, you putting that penmanship to work and telling, you know, the world, you know, your story, even though it may not be, a, you know, a first person mm -hmm. type of thing, but a second person or a third person thing, you putting that pen to work and really sharing, you know, stories, man. And I, and I commend you for that. So can you tell the world, man, what, when did you realize you wanted to be an author, bro? Honestly, Mike, to be honest with you, being an author was never in the, the plan at all. Uh, I had graduated from IC in, on Mother's Day of 2018, Mike. And that following Monday, I was registering at classes at Grambling. And I just remember that first week, I was just calling home, telling my mom, hey, uh, it's just a different world out here. You know, the experiences I had in college at Illinois is completely different here at Grambling and she was just like, man, you know, that's that's great. But like the path that you're on and experiencing both these worlds of being a black man at a predominantly white institution and then coming back and being a black man at the HBCU, there's a lot of young people who don't know these experiences or stories that you may have. You need to share that with the world. And I just laughed at her. I was like, man, I, I, I don't have no interesting story. I'm just a regular person, just like anyone else. Nobody cares to hear my story or what I went through. But uh, about two days later, I found myself at the library <laughs> and I was just typing away. And I remember my mom calling me in the middle of that. And she was just like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm writing a book. And she paused for a little minute. And she was like, oh yeah. She just laughed. She was like, all right, you know, it's cool. So a couple of days keep going. I'm still writing. I'm probably six chapters in, Mike. I'm not even kidding you. I'm just typing my life away. And all my friends are just hitting me up, like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm writing a book. And everybody's just kind of, you know, when people hear you say something, they're like, all right, man, you know, he writing a book. He find himself writing a book, but he ain't really writing no book. And when I tell you I finished it and I just sent it to my mom, I was like, I need you to read this. And she read that manuscript. And, you know, oftentimes it's called a manuscript before it actually gets published. But when she read that manuscript, she was like, you got something here. You need to share it. And that's just what we did. Mm. So was it now that, um, you know, you went through that process of just, it sounded like, bro, you just took a leap. And, you know, now you paying for it. Were, were you afraid? You know, what, did you doubt yourself? 
Oh uh, yeah, I mean, just like any any regular person probably would. Uh, you're putting your life and your stories out here for the world to judge you. Oftentimes, we always say our life is an open book, but how many of us actually say that life is really a book? So when I did it, I wasn't expecting anybody to really care or like it. I was just putting my heart on the line, just saying, hey, this is what I think the world needs to hear. And, you know, luckily for me, it worked in my favor. But yeah, you always got to, you know, bet on yourself. You know, being from Miami, we all of us like to, you know, somewhat condulge in, in betting or gambling. So I always say, hey, bet on black and I bet it on me and I hit. You hit. <laughs> I like that one, bro. You hit for real. So what's it like being an author now, man? Like, you know, yeah, you got, you know, your first one under your belt. Like, what's it like? Well, actually now I, I have two now. So my first one was College Uncensored, which was, uh came out in 2019. And then I have Opinionated Millennials Memoir that just came out this previous summer. But, uh, you know, life as a writer, a lot of times it was great for me during this COVID time, you know, due to uncircumstances, you know, you don't want to say COVID was good because there was nothing great that really, you know, you could say came out of it. But for me as a writer, you know, I just had time just to reflect and just be in deep thought and just have a couple hours a day where I can just work on my craft and just fine tune it. I tell anyone who wants to be a writer, you know, you have to be real with yourself. You can't look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know, this is who I am as a person. Or some people may like you, they may not like what you write, but you just have to be honest with yourself. And if you can do that, you can become a writer. It's in all of us. It's just whether or not you want to put that pen to pad. That's a fact. I, I think especially as Black people, like I mentioned before, like, man, we, we some of the best storytellers in the world, I feel like. It's just our stories are always told by other people. Truly. This is why I, I wanted to, to truly get you on, you know, on this podcast again. I'm gonna keep repeating it throughout the <laughs> throughout this thing, but you know it, it, it's where that you 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 know one in your own backyard. Like me mm. and you, we, we go way back. Yeah. So I want to segue into sort of the the next part of this. Mm. I always like to give these kids, or you know, it ain't even got to be kids. Like I said, our peers and other people, whoever tunes in, you know, tidbits on business, whatever lane you know my guest is in. Um, can you? Walk me through the process of getting a book published. Yeah, for sure. Um, with me, it was a long, strenuous process just for the fact that I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know who to reach out to when I first, you know, finished up my manuscript. Uh, but with technology nowadays, you can do anything. So Google and YouTube became my best friends. And uh, a lot of times, oftentimes, when I reached out to certain people, who had previously written a book, they have your best interest, but at the same time is what can you do for them? And I found myself in situations where people would try to say, okay, I'll help you out, but uh, it's gonna, this is gonna cost a thousand dollars or it's gonna cost this amount of money. And you know me, I'm fresh out of college, I'm broke, Mike. So the only money I had was graduation money. And so I, I won't hey, try to hey. say anything. I want to try to spend that on, you know, certain things. So, like I said, I went to Google and YouTube and I just found certain ways on how to construct a, a book and it cost me little of nothing. And now, you know, I learned to trade in the art where I can put myself in situations when it comes to, you know, publishing a book on my own. Um, and I don't know if this is going to be a future question of yours or not, but I self-published. 
And a lot of times when you self-publish, there's a good and there's a bad. On one end, you don't spend a lot of money. You know, that's money that's in your pocket that you can do. But at the same time, you got to grind. You got to work. You got to advertise that book. You got to talk to the certain people that say, hey, this is my book right here. You got to be in charge of shipping and handling if somebody's book isn't, you know, there on time. Hey, that's on you. You got to give that refund. So I would tell any young person or older person, because there's plenty of times where there's been people that's told me they wanted to write a book. They just didn't know how to go about it. First, write your manuscript. Second, do your research. You know, that's on you. That's not on anyone else. You can't blame anybody nowadays for why you didn't make it because it's, it's at the palm of your hand. Just, you know, look on your phone and say, okay, what can I do to publish this book and get it to where I needed to get? And then once you do all those, you know, just start talking to other people who've written books. And most of the time, often not, I found people who I built relationships with that are willing to help. You just have to ask. You can't be afraid to ask. Mm. No, nah, bro, that's that's amazing. I mean, it goes again. It speaks volume to your ca character. Like, you a hustler. You a go-getter. And I appreciate, you know, you sharing that because a lot of people sometimes, you know, they be afraid, one, to ask questions, which you did. You got feedback from people in the industry. Mm -hmm. You know, you wanted to know, okay, you know, could you help me out, you know, to put me on, essentially. Yeah. Well, not really put you on, but you know, be be a helping hand. Like well, no, I, sure, I sure ask, hey, can you put me on at first? <laughs> and then you gotta realize when you ask somebody to put you on, it might not be the way you want it to be. Right, right. You gotta do your part, which I knew you you know you was gonna do. A lot mm -hmm. of people wanna get put on and just think it's a free ride, but yeah. you know, you 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 and I were built different. Mm -hmm. So that's good. And then the second prong, man, after you got those no's or those bad experiences, you didn't you didn't stop. You kept going. You like, you know what? Let me be self-taught. Yeah. So that that's that's good, bro. So what what do you think is the most rewarding thing you get from being an author? Uh, I'll tell you a quick story real quick about when I felt like I made it in some type of sense. It was this guy I went to school with, went to middle school with, and he just bought my book, you know, just because he was just trying to show some support. And he hit my line and he was like, man, this was the first book I ever read since seventh grade, completely from front to end. And I understood and I could relate to what was going on. Yeah, he might've had a personal relationship with me, but it was just the aspect of, man, this guy read, you know, he was a dropout in high school, but for him to finish a book, you know, that told me something. And then I had another lady who graduated in 1977 from college, um, older black lady. And she pulled me to the side and she was just like, young man, it doesn't matter when you wrote this book. I could relate to this book even from when I graduated in 1977, just from racism, you know, drugs, politics, whatever it may be. She was just be able to relate to it. And she shared that book with her grandkids. And I was just, you know, honored and just, you know, grateful that somebody was willing just to hear my story. Hmm. So I'm gonna put you on the spot. Which one, since you got two under your belt, bro, which one uh, is your favorite? <laughs> and I, I felt like you was gonna ask me something like this, Mike, but you know, it ain't even put me on the spot. To be honest with you, I would have to say opinionated. I feel as if College Uncensored is probably the best book 
and that's a book that a lot of people will relate to, but I'll say opinionated because for the simple fact, when I came up with the idea to write that book, again, I was telling my mom, you know, I'm gonna write a book about my life. And she was like a memoir at 25, well, I was 23 at the time when I was writing it. She was like, there's not, that's gonna be a short book. And I laughed and I told her, I said, no, it's a bigger purpose behind it. You know, as a black man in America, you don't know when your last day might be. And of course, of these current situations right now, in these circumstances, you see that to be true. I told her, you know, Tupac and Biggie was 24, 25 years old when they passed. <laughs> and, I, and I was looking in the mirror one day and I kid you not, I was like, man, you know, if I left this world, how people see me or view me, what would be my message or my story? I don't want people to show up at my funeral saying, oh, he was this man right here. He was like this. No, nah, I'm, I'm gonna put it on a book. So for me, I wrote this book opinionated for my people. You know, and yes, it's for anyone to read. You can be white, black, green, yellow, it doesn't matter. But I just wanted to give you a little insight of what it is to be a black man in America. So when I wrote that book, you know, I put my heart, my heart in it. I put my all into it. So it was a sense of pride. I didn't need that satisfaction of, oh, you loved it. No, I just need you to understand, hey, this is where I am in my life right now. And this is what it is. So I'll definitely say opinionated. Wow. Jay, man, wow. That that I didn't even know for the world, I didn't even know that aspect of, of why you did it. Like that was my first time hearing that. And that that hit deep, bro. For real, for real, bro. Like that that just hit me deep. And I hope whoever hearing this, you feeling the same, cause woof, it's real. It's crazy with this climate. We we gotta feel that way. And we, you know, we're educated mm -hmm. black men at that. And to still know we don't know, you know, granted, no, life isn't promised for nobody, you know, like, like my grandma used to tell me when he come, we ain't gonna know the time, the day or the hour. So, you know, it, it's, it's real. It's just, it, it, that's a high, uh, a higher standard of unknownness though, for, you know, African-American man though. So bro, it's keep And it I want to give a shout out again, one more time, just to Grambling, just the HBCUs because I don't think people understand the significance. I didn't understand, you know, I understood that I was a black man in America, but I used to almost say, okay, you know, it is what it is. But when I went to Grambling, they just showed me a different light where, man, there ain't nothing more dangerous than a black man in America who's educated. And I'll tell anybody that it doesn't matter if you got a degree, but if you just self-educate yourself, and just understand the lessons and how you can just mold the world, you know, that's a threat to people. And, you know, that scares some people, but don't dim your light just because you're afraid of the circumstances or what may happen. Mm. Wow. And I think, you know, that could come from, you know, this next question I'm about to ask you, because I'm gonna tell you the truth, you know, Yes, we you know me and you, we got sort of the same family dynamic. You know, we grew up with both parents. Uh, and I'm grateful for my mom, and I know you feel the same way. But it's just something being a black man, like you said, man, and having your pops around. Yeah. What kind of influence did your, you know, your old boy have on you, man? Because I know for a fact <laughs> that man right there is part of the reason, you know, I walk the way I walk and I talk the way I talk. So tell me about that. 
dad, you know, is one of, he's an old school dad. He's an old school black father, as I like to say. He was hard on me though. He was hard, but you know, you and I can relate because we're coaches' sons. And you can go two ways as a coach's kid. And I and you can attest to this. You can be that coach's kid who whose parent wants you to be everything in the world. So they're gonna try a they're gonna put you as a starter. They're gonna give you this, they're gonna give you that. They're gonna make sure that their kid is the MVP every year because they trying to vicariously living through their child. With us, we have fathers, hey, they told us straight up how it was. My dad, he was a coach, and yeah, he coached basketball, and I was mainly a football player, but every day I got in the car, he'll tell me, hey, you won't look into how that practice today, or hey, don't get beat down on Friday, whoever you may play. And he just gave me lessons every day, long talks, and he can talk forever, but for me, I appreciate it as I got older, just for the simple fact that, man, he was just raising me to be a man. And he was showing me different traits and walks of life that I didn't understand when I was younger that I do now that he was just, his way of showing love was through storytelling. And by doing that, he was just saying, hey, the world isn't gonna love you like you think they are. So you gotta, <laughs> you know, you gotta just knuckle down and you gotta go out there and you gotta get it. So if I gotta be hard on you every single day to make sure that you can live the life that you want to live in the future so be it and now you know i see it paying off he sees it paying off you know and our connection is just you know unreal i don't know if you caught yourself, but maybe you know the audience and me too you said he shows love by storytelling now look what you're doing exactly man and you know it was plenty of times you know he pulled us to the side and he was you know telling us certain things that we might have not gotten at that moment, but you know when it when it happened to us, you know sometimes you have to learn. Things have to happen to you for you to say, okay, he was right. And you know it happened to me plenty of times where I was like, man, okay, he told me it was gonna play out just like this, but just because I wanted to do it my way, it didn't happen. So now a lot of times I find myself I hang around a lot of old heads, or OGs, you know, pops, you know. I like to hang around older people just for the simple fact that they've been there, done that. So when they're telling you these stories or these lessons, you know, I listen to them because they're not going to lead you down the wrong way. A lot of times as a young person, we think we know everything, but man, I love hanging around just older people. Like I can't wait to be older so I can just tell the young heads, you know, hey, this is what you need to do. If you do it this way, man, you'll be all right. And I think a lot of us, if we was able to learn from the older people that you know been in our lives will be so much better so that's just what i'm living for wise man the tame council man that's real i, I like ogs too mm -hmm. for real for real so man like jay tell me you know my business has been disrupted you know life has been disrupted across the world how you been able to stay sane during this lockdown bro like what, what you been up to what you been doing man Man, honestly, I had to go to a dark place. And when I mean a dark place, I don't mean like, oh, depression or anything like that. Because I know some people, they probably have been doing that, just being locked up in the house. With me, I was able just to find myself. You know, that's the scariest thing, right? Is, you know, you're being trapped in your thoughts, your mind. 
that was that was something scary for a lot of people during COVID and during these times of being locked up in the house. You know, you want to run away from your own thoughts and your mind. And with me, luckily, I was just able just to find myself. Man, I was like, I found my purpose in life. And you know, I, I like to quote Little Duval because Little Duval says, "Life is easy. We make it hard." So I don't find myself in certain situations that some people do just for the simple fact. I'm okay with who I am. I could turn down going out, you know, on South Beach or, you know, going to a party, you know, I can chill at the house and just watch TV, you know, chill with the family or a girl and just be cool because I know who I am. So I like to tell people during these eight, nine months, 10 months that we've been inside, if you didn't come out with a trait, a business, an idea, something, you missed the whole purpose of COVID. They missed yep, it. Yep. They missed it. They let it, they let life go right by and they didn't even realize it. So, you know, I'm just grateful for it. Yeah, I know. I definitely did the same thing, bro, because it, it's hard. You know, you probably feel the same way. I know we close in age, but I'm I'm getting on the back end of the twenties. You still in that mid, right? <laughs> yeah, I just I just hit that quarter of a century, man. I just hit hey. that. I'm in, I'm in that second quarter right now. Yeah, like, boy. Yeah. So I'm I'm on that that back end, and I'll tell you, you know, hearing you say you found your purpose, I just found mine, and that's what something I went through on that same time frame as you around that age i'm like man what is my purpose like what what am i meant here to do and one thing that always that i taught into to why i wanted to be a sports agent man i like serving people man mm -hmm. i like being behind the scenes i you know yeah i was you know decent at basketball and this and that you know we was younger but after a while i was just like man i don't i really don't like this spotlight thing like i like you know, feeling the sense of I'm empowering somebody else than more so myself. I, I love that satisfaction. So, man, you finding your purpose during this time, and I hope a lot of people hearing this, to, you know, since we're still, I guess, under a quarantine, you doing the same because it'll give you a whole different outlook on life. Real, and how I approach life, I give credit to you too as well because you know, hey, I'm I, now I'm catching myself sounding like my pops because I got a lot of stories, but it's just because I appreciate everything that has happened in my life. But I've got to give you a story back from my freshman year today. And it was me, you, Rodney. I think E-Man was there. And we was getting ready to play Core Reef. And, you know, that was a rivalry back then. And Ty was going on and on how he dropped like 15 or 16 points the previous game. And you was like, you know, you being a big brother, you was like, man, y'all just some matinee people. Y'all six o'clock. I approach life at 7.30. That's the real show. And I put that in the back of my head, like, man, for, for years, I was like, I want to be a 7.30 person. I'm going to approach life like it's the main event. So it doesn't matter if it's a meeting right now with you and I, or, you know, I'm speaking to someone else or I'm going to work. It's like I approach it with that 7.30 mentality because I understood back then, hey, people paying tickets to watch 7.30 games. Six o'clock, they ain't nobody showing you that type of love. So I, I thank you for that because that changed my mindset 
on attack and just certain things in life. No, I appreciate that. I, I ain't even gonna toot my own horn. That's one of my best quotes. And <laughs> hey, you used to say it a lot. I was like, man, I said, man, I gotta be a 730 dude, man. I, I can't wait to be on varsity. No, nah, but that's my that's my approach even in business now, bro. Like I I I'm not thankful for sports in general because it's one it taught me preparation and just my mindset. Like one next play and two when you out there when it's a main event with the lights on, you got to show up. Exactly. Like I tell I tell clients now, like you know they want, you know they want this, they want that, or oh, put me in this situation. Well, if if we do. You know, you got to show up. Like, I, I'll give you another quote. And this is from someone I look up to, uh, Rich Paul, man. I just, like, I love his story, bro. Like, even Maverick Carter. You know, I love what them guys doing because they, they black men doing business at a high level. Exactly. He said, you can put me in a sold-out show at, uh, let's just say, the James L. Knight Center. You can mm -hmm. put me in a sold-out show in the James L. Knight Center. You can put... Obama and all, all these other uh, famous people in the in the in the front row, mm -hmm. but if I get on that stage and I don't sing, it doesn't matter. Exactly. You can be given the opportunity, but if you don't sing, which is performance, whether it's you know your your follow up book, like mm -hmm. you know killing your next book, or you know a player showing up and you got uh, a thousand college coaches at your high school game. You're gonna be very hurt afterwards because people gonna forget about you. Quit. Quit. So you can't substitute performance, man. I'm glad you, you <laughs> I said something <laughs> that, that that resonated with you even when I was hey, young like that. <laughs> for, for, for the listeners out there, y'all know the new Mike. I know old school Mike back when he was young and hey, he was he was a dog back then on in basketball courts. He was the man. So don't let this man fool y'all when he says he used to play a little basketball back in the day. Yeah, I was all right. I was all right, bro. I'm grateful, man, for for the support. I was all right. Um, bro, let's 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 transition again, man. Um, I really like giving back. And as you can see, we've been giving to each other. You know, you gave me advice, I've been giving you advice all our life you know what's some advice for someone you you want to give you know to that that next kid that next uh 20 something year old that maybe want to either do what you do or just trying to figure it out yeah i mean you know life is about just advice and just hearing older people people older than you that's been in situations that they could pass down something so for me even when i listened to your first episode you were talking about the gen z population in their era and I like to tell people, you know, as millennials, and to clarify what a millennial is for a lot of people, millennials is from 1981 to 1996. So if you, if you know, born in 97, 98, 99, we, we take you guys as millennials, but you're not really a millennial, but our thought process is different. So from just giving you some feedback, um, when I was, where I'm at right now, a lot of times people always told me as a millennial, oh, you guys are, you know, privileged or you guys, you know, want things head, like handed to you. And that's not necessarily true. We just grew up in that. We just grew up like that. We were taught that from our peers. 
So what I'll tell these younger generational Z kids is one of my favorite quotes that I came up with myself. If social media is hell, IG is a sunken place. And I'll repeat that one more time. If social media is hell, Instagram is the sunken place. So mm. a lot of times these Gen Z kids, they're doing it for a like or a comment. And, you know, us, when we were growing up, you know, you could hear about a kid that plays at Richmond Park. He scored four touchdowns and it's just word to mouth. You don't you don't necessarily know the kid until you play him that week. Now a kid can score four touchdowns and it's all over social media. By the time they leave the locker room, they're a star. So I tell kids this, man, don't get it's not it's it's fine to have social media, but don't let that define your life. Other words, I'm saying understand what's real and what's reality and what's fake. If you live by the likes, you're gonna die by the likes. T.I. always says something like that. So I want to pass down this type of knowledge. If it makes you happy, do it. It might not be the norm. You think being a black author is the norm at 25 years old? It is not. I was told plenty of times, oh man, you can go play football. You got a football body, but not everybody makes it. Sometimes you got to put that ball down and you got to use your mind. So what makes you different? God put you on this earth for a reason. So what is your purpose? Find it and just be comfortable in your own skin. And if you can do that, man, you'll live a long, prosperous life. Well, credit to you for saying that, bro. And I think that one sentence is so profound again, because being more than just your sport is, mm-hmm. is not really known from our area. Like we from South yeah. Florida. It's, it's sports, 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 sports all day. And let me say something like, you know, when they say the 1%, yeah, it's 1% that might make it to the league. But growing up in Miami, that 1% probably goes to 10% because we just build athletes for football. I mean, it's going to be, you're going to make it to the league. But, you know, still, that's still just not on the positive side of things. You're more than an athlete, like you said. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I want to say you're more than an athlete because – don't you get more joy personally though, knowing that you were somebody outside of your sport? Oh yeah. Like that didn't just define you? For sure. And especially in my case, because I played a position offensive line and we never got a lot of credit anyway. You know, if, you know, my quarterback in high school was Khalil Render. If Khalil, you know, threw for three touchdowns, 300 yards, Khalil had a great game. They're not going to give credit to the offensive line, but let Khalil get sacked five times. You know, we're all terrible. So with me, it was an easy transition. I knew football wasn't going to last forever. And I just wanted to be in a position. And I always told myself, I'll get in a position where I can help others out. That's what I'm going to do. And I just feel that joy every time I do it. I don't need the credit. I don't need to be posted you know, all over the place that said, you know, Joshua Hicks gave X amount of money to this charity or this program. It's just in the back of my mind, I could sleep well at night because I'm helping others do something in life that, you know, I wish somebody might've done for me when I was growing up. I'm so happy for you, Jay. Uh, it's It's been tremendous to have you on this show, man. Like I, I look forward to this all week. Even when I hit you, I was like, bro, like I gotta have you on because, you know, as my circle is is expanding, yes, I'm adding new people, but it's amazing to see people that I came up with, same area, you know, doing something positive as well and, you know, making a living for themselves outside of just 
you know, the norm. It's just sports, like we said. So I got a saying, too, again, I'm going to leave you with another one. It's called each one reach one. Each one reach one. So, you know, uh, everybody may not accept, you know, you putting them on or doing their part, but I like I had to reach back and grab you because I see you doing your part, man. So keep it up. You know, you always got a seat at my table, bro. You know, I know you're you're a wine drinker now, so we 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 gotta go do <laughs> a, a wine tasting one of these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you gotta put me on, man. I'm new. I'm still new to the game. I'm trying to leave the brown in the past and try to go towards <laughs> the try to go towards the red. <laughs> it's all right. Slow slow motion better than no motion, man. So we 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 good. How can the world get it um, connected with you? You know, in terms of following you on social and yeah. also. You know, if they want to purchase your book. Okay. So if you want to get a book, you can go on Amazon and you can search up Opinionated, a Millennials Memoir by Joshua Hicks. Uh, on Instagram, I'm Big Hicks underscore 66, B-I-G-H-I-C-K-S underscore 66. Uh, also, I mean, don't be afraid to reach out. You know, I, most of the time I respond, you know, especially if it's something dealing with positivity. Also, I want to give a quick shout out just to my charity foundation. Um, called Alternative Minds Reading Project, where, you know, I'm trying to instill reading back into, you know, low poverty, you know, schools and neighborhoods where, you know, reading is a lost art. So I definitely did not want to leave that out of this podcast. So if anybody, you know, has books or just wants to give a donation, you know, go ahead. And that goes a long way because one book can change somebody's life. Oh, I, de I definitely, I didn't even know you had the nonprofit, man. You full of surprises, man. So I'm definitely <laughs> going to connect with you offline so we can do something, man. I, I, I think reading is becoming a lost art because of, you know, our phone and technology. Mm -hmm. But it, it's nothing like holding a book, man. Like I read every day, every day. Got to, you got to fine tune your mind. Sometimes you got to reset it. Yes, sir. So world. As you can see, we had a very powerful and young guest on this show. As always, I'm going to continue, you know, putting people like Jay on this show so you can learn, you know, hear their stories and their successes. So I look forward to, you know, J Joshua and, you know, following his journey and you should too. Everybody, peace out. Love.